feel like I'm a part of something bigger. My favorite business show. Hands down the best B2B sales and marketing podcast. The ultimate resource for salespeople. George makes me want to conquer local. An authentic entertainer. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Here's George Leaf. It's the latest edition of the Conquer Local podcast. And joining us this week, the president and CEO of the Tyson Group. Lance Tyson works with sports organizations all over North America. Some of the biggest brands in the world get Lance to come in and consult their organization on their B2B sales channel. And we're going to find out more about Lance and his day-to-day and what challenges these sporting organizations are seeing because they are out conquering local as well. You know, when you think about a sports team, they sell the tickets, but also there's an enormous amount of revenue that comes through sponsorship and entertainment dollars in the corporate boxes and advertising. And so we're going to find out all about what the Tyson Group is up to and what some of Lance's learnings over his career have been. And also we'll dig into his book, Selling is an Away Game. Lance Tyson, the president and CEO of the Tyson Group, gives us a look inside the world of sports marketing coming up next on the Conquer Local podcast. Join us for Conquer Local 2019 in beautiful, sunny San Diego. California's Beach City and the legendary Hotel Del Coronado will play host to the most valuable conference of the year for companies selling marketing solutions to local businesses. We have a must-see lineup of industry experts, including our keynote speaker Kevin O'Leary from ABC's Shark Tank. Our entire slate of accomplished speakers have been handpicked to address the top six growth problems facing all B2B companies. Product, demand, sales, scale, retention, and expansion. You'll get stimulating talks, tactile workshops, and an opportunity to connect with the brightest minds in your industry, all geared toward turning your business into a recurring revenue growth engine. Plus, you can experience an unforgettable adventure on a guided tour of the world-famous San Diego Zoo, capped off with an incredible treetop reception. We've secured deep discounts on conference hotel rooms, but they are limited and going fast. Don't miss out. Go to ConquerLocal2019.com and get your tickets and rooms today. It's the Conquer Local Podcast. Lance Tyson is joining me, the president and CEO of the Tyson Group. And Lance, I really appreciate you taking some time to join us on the Conquer Local Podcast. And I was excited to read your background in the sports business because we haven't had somebody that has been involved in the sports business. I've met a lot of people over my career that have been involved in sports and sports marketing. So I'd like to really dig into that. Plus, we're going to talk about your book, Selling is an Away Game. And uh, great to have you on the podcast absolutely appreciate being on. So thanks for inviting me. So you do quite a bit of traveling, working with sports organizations and working with a number of different sports teams. Can you give us a little bit of background on, um, you know, that work that you're doing? Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting, right? From a sports standpoint, people think you just can sell tickets. What happens is there's a lot more to just sell people. The fans go to sports, sporting events, like at the Tampa Bay Lightning is a good customer of ours. And you think people just go, but they have a lot of luxury items to sell, suites and seats that are more B2B than anything else. And then you have monster sponsorship deals. So what we do is, and, it, and you, know how, you know how it is these days, it's getting much harder to sell than it's ever been before. 
from that standpoint, sales cycle times are getting longer and things like that. So we do a lot of a lot of coaching, looking at their sales process, trying to shorten their sales process. And what, what any other salesperson deals with from tech to selling professional services, just getting in the door. Yeah. So, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, for our, for our listeners that are not familiar with the sports business, um, you know, you get, you get the revenue from the ticket sales, but this sponsorship side of the business um, is definitely B2B. And there's an entire army of sales folks inside most major sporting teams. Yesterday, I was at the, for the last two days, we were at the Miami Dolphins and legitimately they have 60 salespeople. And now, now in their defense, they also own the Miami Open. So what they're doing there, they're selling all the sponsorship and things for that. But it, it has to be sold, you know, and for instance, um, in North America, you have a lot of this Major League Soccer going on. And when they open these new stadiums for Major League Soccer, the soccer fans come. It's all the other people that they have to get there. And they have a lot of luxury items. And you just don't realize how many sales people they have. And the, co- the cool things from a recruiting standpoint for pro sports, if you're not playing pro sports, at least you could have a job in pro sports. But it's very much of a grind of a sales of a sale because you're either going B2B or B2C. Right. So if you think about if you sat in some, like a terrace table. So my wife and I were at Nationwide Arena on Friday night. And we sat we went to the um, Dirk Bentley concert and we sat at a terrace table. Now, Nationwide is where the Columbus Blue Jackets pay. Well, those terrace tables are anywhere from thirty to sixty thousand dollars a year. And that's that's general pricing across the board. Now, you're going to have two types of people that buy that a private wealthy individual or a t- most of it's actually business to business entertainment. And they're two very different types of sales. So that's that's one of the things the sports industry struggles with. And then then you have a way more complicated sale. You have all the advertising and sponsorship, digital, you know, broadcast, media, all those things that that go into that. So they they have a hard job. And if you think about it, it's sports is night for a business is not a need to have. It's a nice to have. Right. The first thing to get cut if there's any sort of budget issues. That's exactly right. I mean, from an entertainment standpoint, like I'm always arguing with them to, you know, fix their value proposition because a lot of their salespeople are like, yeah, we help with business development. We can help your salespeople close if you bought some hospitality from us. And I'm like, nah, you create an environment that could help my salespeople sell, but that's a non-essential for me. I don't need that. Like we have uh, we have tickets to the Browns and we have some Blue Jacket tickets and actually to the Memorial Tournament. And it creates a nice environment, but I don't need to have those for my salespeople. So what's the biggest challenge that the sales organizations that you work with inside these major sporting organizations have been having in the last three years? Because as you mentioned off the top, harder to sell now than it's ever been in that B2B environment. So I think I think the challenges are a couple things, right? So if you, you look at it, number one, it's a lot of salespeople today in every industry, and we do we, about 30% of our business is outside of pro sports. We do a lot in insurance, a lot in tech, but it's number one, this this conflict with social media, right? People, I, I just put a, a blog post out recently and it got a lot of attention. It was LinkedIn ain't selling, right? And And they struggle getting in the door because it's so competitive. Mm-hmm. Then what happens is everybody's getting caught in the trap today is, well, why don't you send me something over? Just send me something. And sending ain't selling, right? Our job is to present. So I actually see that as kind of the conflict. I was uh, I was dealing with an organization here in Columbus, Ohio, um, and they sell automotive parts um, all over the country. And we were talking about some of their greatest challenges. And 
it's the same thing with their salespeople. It's it's a little bit, it's more of a traditional sale where you can stop in and stuff, but they struggle getting time on people's calendar like anybody else does. And that's kind of what you're racing for because time is the hardest thing to sell these days. And and like I heard on your last podcast, one of the things you were talking about, I think, um, with the gentleman. Um, Peter, talking yes, about good friend of ours. Yeah, and he was talking about how some of his sales today are just really virtual and you're trying to connect virtually, but it's hard. You got to sell that time. You know, you think you look at cancellation rates with with appointments that are through technology, they're much higher than face to face. Right. Almost 20%. No commitment. I just, right. you know, I respond to your LinkedIn thing and that's the first thing that I'm going to let go. Uh, you know, we hear that quite a bit. Let's talk a little bit about the book. I, I thought that the book was quite interesting because you outline, again, the title. Um, is the away selling is an away game, but you talk about six critical steps in developing a successful sales strategy. Can we dig into that a little bit? Yeah, I think, and thank you for asking. And, and coming up with the title of the book was probably about the hardest thing I ever did in my life because I was never satisfied with it. And I had to go back to some audio things I've trained on, and I've, I've said that for years. And I start to think, like, really, what's different? What's different than ten years ago? Um, what, what's different than twenty years ago? Well, the biggest thing that's different is the buyer actually has access to almost as much information, right, wrong, or indifferent, that we have as salespeople. So when I started at sales, I, I actually own the information. I could literally set an appointment and say, look, I got an idea for you. I got some information you might not have. Within minutes, a, a buyer can do research on my company, they can do research on me, they can do research on my product and service in my industry. And selling's an away game because it actually happens in the mind of the buyer right now. And it happens early in the mind of the buyer. Where before we had to get a sale to a point where I could get you to agree by asking the right set of questions, kind of set up a gap a little bit. But now you almost have to go in and really address what the buyer does or doesn't know and then be able to pivot or tailor, be extremely agile very quickly in most every sale. It really, it's astounding to me that no matter what industry we go in, we're talking to a, a large bank here in the Midwest and we're talking to their private wealth uh, bankers. And they're struggling with the same thing because they're getting early in a conversation, they get a nice referral. And then all of a sudden they, you know, they realize they're dealing with somebody that's done a minimum amount of, it, of research and, and they're kind of an expert now in, in their own mind. So you got to make that connect really quick. And so you're asking more opinions way early than we ever had before in sales. So we have a more educated buyer, but in addition to that, we have more people knocking on the door than ever before. And then we have the buyer that's going out and, and doing their own research and knocking on their own doors. It's a really compelling problem. Oh, it is. And it's a, it's a very shallow pool. You're competing against for time from people from multiple industries and the buyer has, has a ton of options. So if you're not, I think your, your last guest, you said it well, you know, we have to be a trusted advisor. No, I think you actually said that we have to be a trusted advisor. And I hear that all the time. And I, and it's, there's deep meaning to that. There's very, very deep meaning to that because like one of the bedrocks that we try to get across because I, so yesterday, um, we had some really senior people in the room and you know, 10 plus years of experience in pro sports. And I, and I said, I said, what R word do you guys really adhere to in your sales? And this one guy, Thomas says, look, Lance, it's all about relationships. And I said, Thomas, that's so cliche. 
it's, it's all about relationships. I said, what's that mean? He goes, well, I have to have a great relationship with people. I said, but relationships, relationships is an outcome. That's because you've done something. I, I said to him, would you pick the word relations or relationship or rapport? And he goes, well, aren't they the same thing? I said, why don't you look it up uh, on your iPhone there? And he goes, <laughs> um, he goes, uh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think they are now that I read it. I said, would, is it safe to say that I can, you know, come to a, a Tim Hortons drive-through window? He didn't know what I was talking about in Miami because I don't have Tim Hortons there. But uh, <laughs> um, I said, if you went to a Starbucks barista, I said real quick, could you have rapport in about 20, 30 seconds? And he said, yeah, I could. So I said, is it more about that? I said, rapport yields influence. I said, but but who says it's just about rapport? Because, you know, a lot of salespeople get so caught up on like small talk and they, they actually think that's rapport building. I said, you could be confusing somebody having really excellent people skills. You could be confusing their people skills with actually liking you. But, it, but it's also about credibility. Because credibility yields persuasion and credibility yields trust. And that has to do with your look. That has to do with you write, how you write. That's how you deal with people. And then the last thing is understanding. So that's an equilateral triangle. So that's where sales has really changed. You have to be a credible source. So you almost have to play the sales process. You have to know it so well and play it so well. And you can't be reinventing it every day at this point. The other thing that you speak about is, and I love the word, um, and I've never got to address it in a podcast yet, but you talk about grit. And I've often thought that the best salespeople are the, are the people that are the grittiest. What, what do you mean when you bring up the term grit? That is that yeah. is in your book? Yeah. You know, so I, there's another great book out there by Angela Duckworth. She's a, um, professor at Wharton and she has a book called grit. I start to read the book and I go, this is what salespeople need is this grit. And I kind of went through a discovery process and I'll give you a, a real, a, a real quick quip of it. Cause I think this describes it completely. So about, um, about seven years ago, we were testing assessments with the San Diego Padres. It was the first barrage of ours. So I'm having a meeting in San Diego with their with their senior sales team. And, and we'd done these assessments. And right away, the senior person, Jared Dillon, says to me, Hey Lance, I've kind of looked at these assessments and I, I really think they suck. I think you're I think you're you're completely off. And I said, Well, that's not a great way to start this, Jared, but um, since we just met, and he goes, um, I go, why do you say that? And he goes, Well, one of our top guys you actually have low, ranked lowest out of the whole assessment. And I said, can I ask you a couple of questions? He said, yeah. I said, what does skill set really have to do with, with success? I said, you know, a lot of people that are skilled but are successful. He goes, all right, fair. I said, let me ask you a few questions. Who's the guy? He said, Joel. I said, well, I don't know Joel. I said, let me ask you a few questions. Does Joel come in early and stay late? And he says, first one in, one last one out. I said, okay. Um, how would you rank his hard work? He'd say he's, a, he's an 11 out of 10. I said, does he hate to lose or like to win more? He said, he freaking hates to lose. I said, okay. So is Joel your top guy or is he three, four, or five or every once in a while his top guy? He says more three, four, or five. I said, okay, there's a gritty person. Now, Joel's story, just to kind of end it up, about a year and a half after that, he got promote, he got a job offer at the Cleveland Cavs and um, became their inside sales manager. Two weeks after he became inside sales manager, they brought LeBron James back. And the president of the uh, the president of the team said, you know, Joel, we're going to kind of get rid of our inside sales team because we really don't need inside sales because we got LeBron. Right. So, so he went and found, he went and went to the Miami Dolphins after that. A year after he got to the Dolphins, 
he was diagnosed, diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. He had a tumor in the back of his head about the size of a golf ball. And uh, he went through an 18-hour, what would have took an 18-hour surgery. Joel, Joel got out in 14. He got out of the hospital two days early and then was back to work. He's now director of sales for the uh, L.A. Clippers. Joel's gritty. Joel's gritty. Joel would win no matter what because Joel's not the most skilled guy. Joel has that grit. And think about it. Like when somebody says um, that person's a prodigy, you think about pianists when they're, they're a pro- prodigy. Are, are they a prodigy or do they just put so many hours on? You're from, you're from Canada. You look at all these kids that are really can skate well. Are they just maybe on the ice more than everybody else? They're just gritty. They just work that hard. That's how I, I define it. I don't know if that's the perfect definition, but anecdotally, that's how I look at it. Well, it's interesting. I, I was excited to have you on the show because I was hoping that you would bring this coaching mentality to sales. And that's obviously the piece that, that I'm that I'm digging into this that you you agree with. What what are some, you know, what's some advice that you would give salespeople? And are you saying you you know, it's not as much about what you know and it's it's more about the effort that you're putting in? Like what what are just some low hanging fruit that we should be thinking about on a day to day basis to be successful? Yeah, I, th- I think number one is, uh, I, and you, everybody says this, your ability to be coachable. And we, we look at that very differently in our firm um, and as many salespeople as we work with. Like, it, I think as managers and leaders, we confuse a really good listener with somebody who's coachable. Like, mm-hmm. there's people that are really good listeners, but then there's people that are coachable. I have two, I have two sons, one son that is extremely coachable because he'll change and execute after I coach him. And the other one is just such good people skills. He's just a good listener, but he ain't coachable. He's a donkey, right? He's stubborn. <laughs> so, right? Now let's, let's get into animals of labor. I also, if you go back to my example with Joel, I want salespeople that are donkeys though, a little bit. I want them stubborn. I want them to work hard. I want, it's about singles and doubles. It's about the play, not around the puck. I think the other thing, and and this analogy seems to really work well with millennials. And I would say about 80% of the folks we train are millennials. And I I don't buy a lot of the stuff that's said about millennials. I think they're really, really, really competitive. There's no, I, you know, you think about your podcast title, there's no I in sales team. And I was looking at that and I was debating with myself. I like salespeople though, who in, in a lot of sales jobs, I think there is a little bit of I because sometimes, and not, not to be contrary to the, the great podcast. I think though, we, some of us have to look at sales teams as a, like a wrestling team or a track team or a swim team. They, they gotta, they gotta be responsible enough to take care of their own heat or their own weight class. If that makes sense to you. No, I totally get it. And I, and I like your analogy because, uh, listen, I am not working on a sales team where we share commission. That's right. just not the way that, that I'm going to operate. And, and I think that your best salespeople are team players in the sense of the word that they're not going to slit the throats of the rest of the people right. on their track right. team, but yep. they are going to, they're going to win their heat. As long as it's ethical, not immoral or illegal, everything's on the table at the end of the day, you play, you stand by the road and cheers the winner goes by. So you play by the rules, but you got to take, you got to take care of your heat. You have to, there's a lot of sales leaders that confuse that. Cause I always say to sales leaders, we do a lot of man- sales management training as part of what we do. And I'm constantly saying, do you want to, I was just on with the Dodgers. We're with them next week. And I said to Wade, their, their VP, I said, Wade, the way you're talking, do you want a basketball team, a baseball team, or do you want a wrestling team? And he goes, I don't follow you. I said, I want you to think about it and call me tomorrow morning. He texted me. He goes, I got it. 
Because what do you got? I mean, because salespeople ultimately are motivated. You're going to change your behavior more from comp than you do anything else. Compensation is a major behavior change for people. Well, and we, we work with all sorts of organizations that tell us that that's the piece that they're trying to figure out. And uh, if you go back far enough into our archives, there's a great podcast in year number one with the folks from the Alexander Group who've built a, a hell of a business around adapting comp plans for various organizations. So I, I've got a line for you, Lance. It's a very famous line. Um, there are no bad staff. There's just bad managers. And right. with you working with as many sales managers, do you, do you hold that as a tenant? I do. I do. So, um, last week we were with the Colts and we were going around the room and, and, um, we were, I was, we start off a lot of our first day with your sales, sales management philosophy. And one of their senior folks says, I lead by example. And I said, um, I said, what's that mean? And he said, well, Lance, I lead by example. I said, well, what if your example's bad? And he goes, he goes, what do you mean? I go, well, like, what if you slip up and you're standing by the coffee machine and you're saying something about somebody kind of snarky and it sounds like you're making fun of them? I said, is that leading by example? I said, listen, if you lead by example, you have to be perfect. You have to be perfect. Right. And then another guy says, well, I have an open door policy. I said, what's that mean? He goes, well, I have an open door policy. I was like, well, until your door's closed. Right. And he goes, what's that mean? I go, think about it. Your door can't be open all the time. And I, and I think like as a sales leader, you have to have a level of transparency. You know what it is at the end of the day? Here's what it comes down to. It's fair, not equal. When you're leading a sales team, you treat people fairly, not equally. It's just like a hockey team, right? The first line gets more reps than the, if you're a third liner, you don't get first line time. <laughs> and people need to understand that. I, but I expect more from my first line, right? So I think that where, where, Sales leaders get themselves in trouble is when they when they put equal in front of fair, because 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 some people have a heavier weight to bring things to the table than others, right? So I think they got to think about that philosophy. No, I agree with that. You know, I worked uh, for a short period of time with a very famous general manager in Canadian radio, Mr. Vern Trail, and Vern Trail ran one of the top radio stations, in Vancouver, Canada, for a number of years, and uh, he walks into this radio station that we were in the middle of transitioning. And he said, you know, there are way too many closed door meetings. And he reaches into his briefcase, which led me to believe this wasn't something that his first rodeo of him (laughs) doing this. He pulled out a hammer and a chisel and him and I went around and took all of the doors off their hinges to open up that transparency and that openness inside the, the organization. So uh, I'm glad that you call that out because I love talking to sales managers. They go, yeah, I have an open door policy. And then the first thing you notice 20 minutes later is they've got a closed door meeting. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I just think people get themselves in trouble, you know, George, because there, there's so much about these cliches, like what they heard. And once you challenge them a little bit and what's that mean? I, I think, I think sales, a sales leader's job is hard, whether you're, you know, you think about your audience, whether they're running a small business, like I do a small to mid-sized business. Like I have, I have those struggles myself. You're running a small sales team or you're working for a large organization. Sales leadership's different in, 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 in driving revenue because you got to be adaptable and, and you got to hold people accountable and it's fluid and it's, and it's small gains and small wins and big wins. And you can't have a one size fits most to your philosophy. It's like, you know, the biggest misunderstanding is I got to be a motivator. Well, look at the word motivation in Latin. The root of it means from within. Motai means from within. 
So true motivation comes from within. It's you understanding what motivates your people. And, and I think that's where people get stuck. I have two salespeople on my staff, two VPs on my staff. One cannot stand public accolades. They don't even want to, they don't, they don't like the spotlight, but I have another one, my VP Allison, who, if you wouldn't give her public accolades, you know, she, if I gave her public accolades, she might pay me to work here. Right. <laughs> that doesn't mean either are broke. That means I, I got to spend time, not, not, I got to spend time actually understanding who they are as people. Do you find in the organizations that you work with that this, um, this thing that has been inside sales for a long time where you need to be a chameleon might be getting a little bit lost? I do. I think you got to be adaptable. I, I, yeah, and it's interesting you said that because it's, it is getting lost a little bit. You got to be adapt to a buyer's motivation. You got to meet the buyer where they are. It's I, and I, George, I think it's harder today because if you're not testing what they know, you can't meet them where they are. Right. But if you don't have a, if you don't have a handle on the sales process, then you're going to struggle because you're not going to understand that. So you got to, you got to be okay asking people for their opinions. And that's hard for some people. The other thing that I find uh, is not just when we're dealing with the buyer, but I think inside our organizations that we're working with, there's this, well, I'm just going to manage them all the same because they've got to right. adapt to my management style. And that's not true servant leadership. And that's not even true performance management because because not everybody's motivated by the same things. And you got to take time. You know, one of the first things that we strongly recommend to any leader we deal with is to sit down and ask one question. And, and, it, and it begets three other questions. So if I worked for you, you would probably want to know pretty quick, Lance, how do you want to be led or managed, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you know you know what I I'll come back nine times out of 10 and tell you? I don't want to be micromanaged. That's what I'll tell you. And then you'd probably have to say to me, Lance, when do you think I'm going to micromanage you? And I'm probably going to come back to you and say, listen, you're probably going to micromanage me when I'm going to hit my numbers or I'm off. And you're going to go, right. So let's talk about that. And I think that's the biggest miss. The biggest miss is we try to one size fit all with our leadership and management, and we don't spend enough time with our folks. And it takes time to do this. you got to go break bread with people, have a cup of coffee, get a bagel. You can't just like, it can't be a broad stroke. They're the biggest lessons. I, they're my biggest failures in any business I've ever been in has been because I've tried to broad stroke everybody. Well, and the one-on-one. The -on -one. So, you know, right. that's where you truly connect. And it's also the first thing that a manager will get rid of in their schedule if they're busy and they're out closing yep. business and they're leading by example is the most important meeting where they spend some time with their team and they try to dig and they try to help those people. There's no doubt. And, and you know what else, George, that you see? Sales managers really stink a lot of times because they came from the ranks. They're just not as good as they need to be with even side-by-sides, like making joint calls. Because what they end up doing, like my salespeople constantly have to say to me, Lance, I don't want you to sell. I just want you to listen to me sell and give me feedback. I'm like, okay, I'm like a crack addict. Like you put me in the arena, I want to go. Oh, I know like, it's so hard to go. do. It is, it is. I think we got to all be really conscious of that when we lead salespeople because they want the feedback. And you know, that's the thing about this millennial sales force too. The millennial sales force actually wants instant feedback. It's actually a gamification effect. If you have any kids or you know any young folks, they're con they're up all night playing Fortnite and things like that. And they're constantly giving getting feedback. And you have to be equipped today with today's sales force is to give folks instantaneous feedback, good, bad, or ugly. Now how to package that is an art. Well, Lance, that's, you know, the gamification has been there for a long time. What was your first video game that you played? I like asking this question. Asteroids. Definitely Pong. Asteroids. You sure it wasn't Pong? 
Are you sure? <laughs> I, you know what? That's the, you're right. The first one I did play was Pong, and it was really slow on a television. Listen, Pong was, was friggin' amazing yeah. when it first came out. Yes, yes. Wasn't that in television or something? No, like, I, it it was it was you you turned the dials. It was right around the Atari time, and television was right. the one with the little with the little baseball players. Right, and the little dial on it. That's right. You're right. You're right. But I do dial. remember playing definitely. Good question. It's, you know, it's interesting. The gamification of sales is something that we need to be aware of. And if you want to learn more from Lance, the president and CEO of the Tyson Group, make sure that you read his book, Selling is an Away Game, because there's more of these nuggets that he's been giving us over the last 20 minutes here on the Conquer Local podcast. Lance, thanks for joining us. And uh, we look forward to uh, speaking to you again in the future and learning more from you as we follow you on LinkedIn. And I appreciate you taking some time and joining us today. Thanks, George. Appreciate your time. You know, as you could tell, I didn't want to hang up with Lance because I've always been very intrigued by the sports marketing business. When, you know, in my early days in sales, you'd be on a sales call, you'd always run into the guy from the local hockey team or the local sports organization and soccer maybe that's outselling the same type of advertising. And you can tell from Lance's discussion, there's all of those same challenges from those organizations as they conquer local as well in a little bit different context. Now, also, as we dug into the book, it's really interesting to hear that being that trusted advisor has never been more important. And we just keep hearing that as a theme over and over and over again. And, you know, the grit, um, you know, I will put my money on a gritty salesperson every single day over the shining rock star. Um, and it was really good to hear Lance uh, backing that up. So it was great having Lance on board with us this week on the Conquer Local podcast and hearing some more about sports marketing. I've always been very interested in that space. The feedback continues to flow in and we're very happy to have this feedback coming in our LinkedIn profile. And thanks to Chris Aspinall. And uh, Chris has this little comment. He's loving the podcast. Today's interview provided some great information on the transformation into a digital company. And Blake Van Welden. Uh, the podcast keeps me focused. A smaller agency in Tampa signed up last year, and I love listening to the information that's on the podcast. Thanks to everyone that has been reaching out to us on LinkedIn and with your suggestions. We have some more coaching and teaching episodes of the podcast that are upcoming in the weeks around the corner. Thanks for joining us this week. My name is George Leith. I will see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local Podcast with your host, George Leith. Executive producers are Brendan King, Jeff Tomlin, and Danny Mario. Audio engineering, Sound Lounge by T-Bone. Marketing by Rory Lawford. Produced by Colleen McGrath.